Support for Speaking of Travel comes from Asheville Regional Airport, Western North Carolina's gateway to the world. Your safety when traveling to and from Asheville is and always will be our top priority. Asheville Regional Airport. Visit flyavl.com for all your current travel information. Prestige Subaru, offering a variety of new and pre-owned all-wheel drive Subarus. Built with the zero landfill promise, all waste is recycled or reused. With more at PrestigeSubaru.com. Asheville Rooftop Bar Tours. Enjoy springtime on this award-winning three-hour experience, putting you in the middle and on top of Asheville's scenic beauty and intriguing history. Enjoy handcrafted drinks and delicious food, all led by a local expert guide. Tours offered daily and year-round with transportation provided. Visit AshevilleRooftopBarTours.com and by RomanticAsheville.com. Create your perfect vacation in the land of the sky with the region's most popular online travel guide. Plan your next getaway to Asheville and the North Carolina Blue Ridge Mountains by visiting RomanticAsheville.com. Welcome to Speaking of Travel with Marilyn Ball. Sit back and be carried away to places around the world and right here in our own backyard. No passport required. Hi, this is Marilyn Ball. Welcome to Speaking of Travel right here on iHeartRadio 570 WWNC. And remember, you can always listen to this episode of Speaking of Travel or any past episode with a simple click on the Speaking of Travel website that's speakingoftravel.net, and on all your favorite podcast platforms, including the iHeartRadio app, Buzzsprout, Pandora, and Amazon. And be sure when you visit speakingoftravel.net to sign up for the Travel Club. You'll receive travel news, helpful tips, and links to stories from people who feed their dreams and build their confidence by going on adventures and exploring the world. My guest today is Joanne Riley Yoder, explorer, wanderer, adventurer of the world, and she's happiest when traveling the world, and she is fearless when doing so. Bungee jumping in New Zealand, skydiving in Aruba, or running off a cliff with a parachute and paragliding off of one of the highest peaks in Queenstown is what she loves to do, and Joanne, what can I say? You are certainly a woman after my own heart. I don't even know where to begin. Thank you so much for being on Speaking of Travel today. Thanks for having me. So, Joanne, this is a big life you lead. You uh, you travel, you go on all these explorations and adventures. Is this something that you did from the time you were a little kid? Did you, like, jump off of tables and chairs when you were growing up? I didn't. I think I became more of an adventurer. I was always a little bit of a tomboy as a kid. But I think my real adventurer self came out as a, a little bit more of a young adult. So give us a little backstory on where you grew up. Did you travel when you were a kid? What was it like for you when you were growing up? So I grew up in the Republic of Panama, actually in the Canal Zone. So the Canal Zone was basically an American territory in the middle of this Central American country. 
it was a tropical paradise where you could see the sun rise over the Pacific Ocean and set over the, the Atlantic Ocean, uh, where the two oceans were just an hour apart. Uh, it was heaven on earth. It, it felt like a sheltered life when I was living there compared to the United States, but it was really just a gift to, to grow up there with such a beautiful country and such beautiful people. We were there to, my parents worked for the Department of Defense and they were there to protect the people that were there taking care of the Panama Canal. Wow, that was, that was a, an amazing childhood to be able to grow up in that kind of environment. And so were you traveling around Panama? Did you get an opportunity to, to go to other countries? What was it like for you with your, with your parents and your siblings? So we did travel. I didn't do a lot of travel around Central and South America. So the way it works is we, my parents would get a home leave every two years for 30 days and we would fly to the United States and usually we'd get a new car and they would have it shipped to a port in the Southern part of the States. And we would pick the car up there and then we would drive and we would drive to all over the United States and we would drive to Mexico and we would drive to Canada and we would spend four weeks on the road traveling and visiting historic sites in different, you know, parts of Mexico and different parts of Canada and of course the United States. And that's how we did travel when I was a kid. That sounds like a a way to see so much of other countries and be tight with your family. It must have been really exciting. So when did you decide that it was time to go, to, to leave Panama and to venture off on your own? Was it when you went to college? Was that your first kind of venture out? So it was, it was very normal and natural for us to graduate from high school and leave the country to go to school in the States. So my eighth grade gym teacher actually went to Appalachian State and she introduced the school to my sister, my older sister who attended Appalachian and then my other sister attended Appalachian and then I attended Appalachian. So that's how we were introduced to it. My parents fell in love with North Carolina and then I ended up in Boone, fell in love with North Carolina, found a job here, and that's how I ended up uh, living in Asheville. Wow, what a departure from being in a paradise of uh, the tropics and moving someplace where there's mountains and rivers. And, and you know, I always think of App State as a, a school where people are are there for the adventures. They, it just seems like there's always whitewater rafting and, and kayaking and spelunking and all these different outdoor adventures. Is that something that you found uh, appealing and got into, or what was it like for you then? I liked the hiking. Um, I didn't get into the, the rafting or the other outdoorsy stuff until actually I moved to Asheville, but, um, I tried skiing. That was not for me. I actually saw snow for the first time, my first semester at app. 
I had never seen snow. So that was quite a, a feat for me. But yeah, going from 80 to 90 degrees year round to below 30 and into the 20s and then into a blizzard was quite a, a shock for my system. But I love the outdoors and I love Asheville especially for that. Well, there's certainly a lot to see and do. And at what point did you, did this light bulb go off in your head and you realized, I'm ready to, to venture out and start start traveling on my own? You know, I, actually, when I was 19, my sister was in Zweibrücken, Germany with her husband. He was stationed there for Desert Storm and she had just had a child. And my mom asked me if I wanted to go and spend Christmas with her. And then she said, well, since you're there, do you want to go do a five country tour by yourself? So I said, sure. And I actually did that. I actually ended up buddying up with one of my sister's friends and doing that. And I think travel always was natural to me, maybe because I didn't grow up in the States and I was used to being out and about and in different areas and different countries. But doing that five country tour was probably the first time at 19 that I did anything on my own. And then coming back and settling down and getting married and having kids. And after they got a little bit older, I started traveling again. Well, Joanne, that I've heard this from others, you know, that age, that 19, 20 year old self traveling, being out in a, a new environment really triggers something. And maybe it doesn't show up again for a while, but then when it does, it's like, I am ready to get out there. Well, when we come back from the break, let's let's talk more about some of these amazing adventures that you've been on and some of the countries that you've been to. And I just want to hear some stories of what it was what it's been like for you because it's almost like you're you're growing up again you know awesome (laughs) well thank you so much well I'm here talking to Joanne Yoder and we are just having such a good time finding out about how to really get out of your comfort zone and go out and have adventures this is Marilyn Ball you're listening to speaking of travel and we'll be right back It's summertime in Subieville, which means it's time for adventure here in western North Carolina. Or more aptly, time to get outdoors and outgoing down a road less traveled. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. And off the beaten path, nothing says tough like the tried and true reliability of an all-wheel drive Subaru. There's a reason why 97% of Subarus sold in the last 10 years are still on the road today and ready for the next adventure. Discover the beauty of all-wheel drive at Prestige Subaru, 585 Tunnel Road, Nashville, or visit us online at PrestigeSubaru.com. Buongiorno, this is Mark Smith, president of Private Italy Tours LTD. For over 15 years, we have had the privilege of sharing some of Italy's most well-known and many less-known places with over 700 satisfied clients. We feel very confident that we will all be able to travel to Europe again by the early fall of 2021. When we are finally able to return to Italy, place your trust with an organization of exceptional travel professionals. Join us on one of our small group tours of between 10 and 16 guests, or if you prefer, we offer complete custom itinerary planning services. 
Deposit specials are available to confirm your place on one of our exceptional tours. Join us in Bella Italia, private-italy.com. Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars, and let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. In other words... Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball, and my guest today is Joanne Riley Yoder. She is an explorer, a wanderer, and an adventurer of the world. And Joanne, it is really just so inspiring to uh, to talk to you and, and find out about what it was like growing up and how you started to venture off on on these adventures. Let's go back to Panama for a moment because... I know that during that time when you were living there, when you were growing up there, you had mentioned your parents both worked for the State Department. Is that right? Yeah, they did. So there was a lot of turmoil going on with the uh, with the country there. Was that something that that you experienced as you were growing up? It did. The last few years that I was there were pretty rough. The last year that I was there, I actually graduated high school in an Air Force hangar because there were movement limitations for us. So we couldn't leave the areas that we were, we we couldn't go like into the city of Panama. And then when I arrived home for Christmas, two days later, the U.S. invaded Panama. So I got to experience a war firsthand, which was quite an interesting experience. Wow. Back on it. (laughs) I can't even imagine that must have been a very frightful experience for a young woman and her family. How did you all end up getting out of there? Very carefully. My dad had actually been flown to the Pentagon that morning and my mom had been taken to her office that night. So she was very methodical about giving instructions on exactly when and where we were to move. My sisters were at the house with her, so they were fine. I was with friends. So we stayed in a house and were very careful about maintaining our security and she would tell us when to move and when to drive. And I think we finally made it home on Christmas Eve. And we were driven home with Kevlar vests and helmets covering us in vehicles that had armed guards in them. So it was quite an experience. I can't even imagine what that was like. Do you feel now that having lived through that type of experience made you feel, I mean, it must have been very scary, but at the same time, did it give you any type of inertia as you grew up to think, I've been through war and now I'm going to go bungee jumping in New Zealand? I don't know. You know, when I think back on it and I think about my 19 year old self at that time, I don't, I don't remember feeling fear at that time. I remember feeling very focused on getting home and getting 
to a safe place. And now that I have children, I think back on it and I think, what on earth did I go through? And if I had to do it again, I think I would be terrified. But as I look back on it, and even as a younger adult, as I looked back on it, it did make me realize how precious life was because I did see a lot of death during that time. And I lost friends during that time. So it does make you realize that life is precious. I, I hear that. And I, I'm wondering how you were able to then, so you came, you came back to the States, I guess that's when you went off to college was after that experience. Yeah, I had been at college for a semester and then had gone home for Christmas break and had gone to a party for a college mixer. And that's when they invaded. And well, we invaded, the US invaded. And then I went back for my spring semester a couple weeks later. So as you grew up having been through that kind of experience and you went back and you, you finished college, you moved to Asheville, you started your family. At what point did you start to, we talked about this a little before the break, but when did you really start thinking, I'm ready to go out there and start traveling again and, and having some adventures on my own? I think as my kids got a little bit older, I found a program for my kids called People to People. Lauren, my oldest, was invited to travel on one of those programs. I, President Eisenhower actually started it, and it was an educational program where they traveled to another country and spent time with kids from other countries and were immersed into their cultures. And I sent Lauren to the UK when she was 11 for three weeks. And I think at that point, when they started traveling, I was ready to start traveling again. I remember she was terrified and crying and looking at me from the bus because I had to leave her at a school. And I just kissed her and said, you'll be fine. And she called me at 4am from Heathrow and said, thank you for making me come. I'm in Europe and I'm so excited. And both of my kids have the travel bug and have been all over the world. And it's just something that we love to do. That is such a a gift, a gift for them and a gift for you. So once they were out, now they're traveling the world. Were you traveling together? Did you take trips together like as a, a family unit and and we go do. off. You do. Mm-hmm. We, we do. We do travel as a family. And then we travel. I travel one-on-one with my girls. So sometimes I'll just travel like Lauren and I are going to South Africa in the fall. Ashley and I have traveled to Hawaii. So it's special that we can do one-on-one trips with each other and spend that, that, to- that mother-daughter time together. That is so nice. It, it truly is. When you talked earlier about life being so precious and, and being able to recognize that, you know, these are the moments that make memories and even change young girls' lives as they grow up. And Joanne, as we come back from the break, I, 
I really want to start picking your brain here on some of these adventures that you've been on because, you know, as I mentioned in the intro, you you know, you've been to New Zealand, you've been skydiving in Aruba. I know that you went to Africa. I want to hear about that. So I just want to thank you so much for sharing your stories with us and, and for being here on Speaking of Travel today. Thank you. I can't wait. Well, this is Marilyn Baugh. You're listening to Speaking of Travel. I'm here today with Joanne Riley Yoder, and we will be right back. Spring is in the air here in Asheville, North Carolina, and we're so excited because now is the time to join Asheville Rooftop Bar Tours on their exciting three-hour rooftop experience. You will enjoy city history, handcrafted drinks and food, breathtaking views, reserved seating, and a local guide leading the way, and they take care of the driving too. Enjoy the VIP treatment on this TripAdvisor award-winning tour. Tours seven days a week. For more information, visit AshevilleRooftopBarTours.com. Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. Let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. In other words, welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball, and I am here today with my guest, Joanne Riley Yoder. And Joanne, you have just this wonderful story of growing up in Panama, growing up in paradise, experiencing a war, going to the rainforest of Boone, North Carolina, ending up in Asheville, having these adventures. I want to talk to you about traveling by yourself. Now, is that something that, that you feel comfortable with? Have you done that on these adventures? I typically don't travel by myself. I like to travel with girlfriends usually. I think traveling with women is probably one of the best things in the world. I love traveling with women too. So when you start to think about where am I going to go? Where are we going to go? You're talking to your girlfriends. How do you get going? Like, what do you do to start thinking about where we want to go? What kind of adventure we want to have? Um, I usually, I mean, my goal is to hit all of the seven continents. So I usually have a plan in place. And then I start putting feelers out for who wants to go to Antarctica and who wants to go to South America or who wants to go to the continent of Africa. And then I start getting people interested in that. That sounds like a lot of fun. And then once you get going, give us an idea of some of the impacts that you've had when you've traveled, like places that have just been, you know, where you've had that wow moment that you can't even believe that you're there. Oh, wow. I think, I I think one of those moments was, I've had, I've I've had many of those moments, but one that comes to mind right away is Cuba. When people ask me what Cuba was like, I say that it was beautifully depressing to see a country that is literally frozen in time was astonishing to see that it stopped 
when the Soviet Union fell in the eight, in the early 80s, if it stays that way, it would be a great example of the way things used to be for people to go visit it. No technology, no credit cards, cash for everything, no internet, no Netflix, no Amazon. It was incredible. It was unbelievable. It was beautiful and it was sad, but it was spectacular. So it was a, it was a myriad of emotions that I cannot even explain. You would have to experience it for yourself. Living vicariously through you right now is a treat and a gift as well. And it sounds like traveling for you has really taught you so much about acceptance and love and, and having no judgment. So what is it like for you when you meet people from all over the world? I think that's my favorite part. Like I've told you in a previous conversation that I can meet anybody on this planet on any corner of the earth and ask them 10 to 15 questions and we will have something in common. It might not be that we know the same person, but we will have a commonality. And I think that if we just as human beings take the time to get to know other human beings, we would find that we're all the same. We all want the same things. We all want to take care of our families. We all get together with our friends to have fun. We all want to love and take care of our children. We all want what's best for them. We all want to do what's right for our communities. We all want to take care of the people that are less fortunate. And I, I mean, a prime example, I, when I was just in Kenya, we had a spotter on one of our, our safari trips, our game rides, who was a Maasai. So on the Maasai Mara, he lived in a village in the Maasai Mara, has two wives, five kids, has been to LA and has friends in LA and loves to come to LA, lives a completely different life than we do, but he wants all the same things that we do. And they're beautiful. They're beautiful people. It's a beautiful country. It's life-changing. Well, with those life changes comes compassion and empathy and, and all of those beautiful, beautiful feelings that we can share. And, and it sounds like, too, Joanne, that when you travel, not only is the destination important, but the people, the experiences, the culture, and the environment. It sounds like being able to support the local economy, really having an experiential type of trip is important for you. It is. I mean, one of my goals is always to leave the person and the place better than I found it. And I, I don't say that to like to sound egotistical in any way, but it could be just through a conversation. Like the guide that I met in Nairobi, we become friends. We communicate weekly and he sends me pictures of his kids and they've been impacted tremendously, tremendously by COVID and I had bought some stuff for his kids and a friend of mine was going on the same trip that I went on 
And I asked him if I shipped him a suitcase, would he take it and take it to him, to my friend Oscar and the girls here, the ladies at the office helped me pack it, which was hilarious because we put way too much in it and then had to duct tape it shut. But he sent me videos of the kids opening the toys and the clothes. And it's the littlest things to us that we take for granted. And it makes the biggest impact in the lives of these people. And sometimes we think that it's just a tiny little thing. So we don't do it, but we should do it because it makes the biggest impact in somebody's life. Well, I am so glad that you're sharing this with us today, Joanne, because each and every one of us could do something to to help somebody else, no matter where they are. So what's on your what's on your to do list coming up? South Africa, and I hope next in the next two years, Antarctica. Well, I would love to have you back on speaking of travel and it's endless what we could talk about. I feel we've just literally uh, just been at the tip of this iceberg. Thanks, Marilyn. This was awesome. Well, thank you, Joanne. It's really been a pleasure uh, hearing your stories. And I know I'm inspired to get out and and travel. And and really what what we can do is to think about just being in each other's lives. And did you know that when you sit down for a meal together, you're actually reducing people's perceptions of inequality? That's right. When we eat together, we're honoring cultural differences and are more connected, which is an important step toward individual and collective cultural humility. Coming up next is Jay Chong, she, her, chef at Jay Chong Eats. Jay is participating in this year's Chow Chow culinary event in Asheville, and she believes food breaks down barriers and reminds us, even in diversity, how much we have in common. So stay tuned. Summertime is the perfect time to get out and explore North Carolina's Blue Ridge Mountains. Create your perfect vacation or staycation in the land of the sky with the region's most popular online travel guide. Not just for couples, RomanticAsheville.com Travel Guide covers a nearly 100-mile radius in and around Asheville, North Carolina. With idyllic weather, beautiful scenery, and a variety of safe and memorable adventures. Western North Carolina is the place to be. Visit RomanticAsheville.com today. Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. And let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. In other words, welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball. In many ways, it almost seems like things are beginning to feel a little bit more comfortable and people are going out and about. The restaurant communities were hit hard and finally are able to start reopening their dining rooms to various degrees. It'll take time for the industry to fully recover, but for many, we were really missing the pre-pandemic dining experience of being together over a meal, and we're ready to come back. 
because there is nothing more satisfying than being together and sharing a meal together. Anthony Bourdain once said, you learn a lot about someone when you share a meal together. And it's true, you can learn a lot about each other when we take the time to share a meal and share our stories. My guest is Jay Chong, she, her, chef at Jay Chong Eats. Jay is participating in this year's Chow Chow Culinary Event in Asheville and believes there is so much love and happiness to offer if we can just be seen and heard, and she feels food is the easiest way to accomplish that goal. And Jay, thank you so much for being here on Speaking of Travel today. Thanks, Marilyn, for having me. I'm honored to be here and and pretty excited to chat with you. Well, give us a little idea about how you started your company, how you kind of got into culinary uh, experiences. So I moved to Asheville about five years ago, and I um, started off as being a sous chef for Katie Bunn at Quarite. And, you know, I, I grew pretty rapidly within her company. I gained a lot of respect from her. And then just got to the point where I was ready to just spread my wings and introduce or reintroduce Cantonese food to Western North Carolina. So that's when I set out to uh, achieve that goal. And here we are about a year and a half later, almost a year and a half later. Well, Cantonese food really plays a big part of who you are. So give us a little backstory about who you are, Jay. Yeah, so I'm Jay Chong, like you mentioned. Um, I'm originally from Toronto, Canada first-generation Cantonese. There is a, if anyone is familiar with Toronto, there is a large um, Asian population, specifically Chinese. Um, and, you know, there's there's both dialects of Cantonese and Mandarin that's being spoken. But it's my roots. It's what I know. It's what I grew up eating. It was probably the first flavors. Cantonese food was probably the first flavors that I ever tasted. And um, I'm extremely passionate about it. And now that I've become a chef. Um, it's it's what I want to bring to the table for Asheville to taste. Well, how did you even come into the United States? What was your kind of entry into the States? Well, it wasn't cooking at first. It was actually, um, I set out to get a soccer scholarship. I started playing soccer at six years old and um, the teammates that I had at the time, we grew up together. We probably played for 10 years straight, same team of, of girls that I grew up with that are near and dear to my heart. And we just, it was, it was a big dream for us to being Canadian, to go to the States. That we, that's how Canadians refer to the United States, the States. We all wanted to move to the States and, and play soccer. Um, so we all really pretty much encouraged each other and empowered each other to set out for that goal. Um, and then at 19, I received a soccer scholarship to Gulfport, Mississippi. And that's pretty much the path, the, the beginning of the journey to the United States. Wow. Going from uh, Cantonese, Canadian, first generation down to uh, down to Mississippi. Wow. What a, a cultural change that must have been, right? Most definitely. But I believe that... The, the ups and downs, the happiness and the challenges that I experienced with that culture shock, um, I think it's, it's you know, kind of molded me to who I am today. So it was definitely an experience that I appreciated and, and grateful for. And when did you start realizing that moving into a culinary path was something you wanted to do? 
It was actually late in in my career or in, I wouldn't say late in life. Um, I was 35 years old and I just had all these jobs that um, I wasn't really passionate about or it wasn't feeding my soul the way I needed. So um, I love to cook, always cooked at home. And I thought I was being creative. You know what? The Food Network has kind of made the chef life kind of glamorous. So I would watch these shows and one day I just said, hey, I want to cook professionally. So before I decided to apply to Johnson & Wales University in Charlotte, um, I decided to just go ahead and try and apply at a job at a kitchen. It was a, you know, 45 seat, cute little couple. One, he, the chef is actually from Canada as well. And it was a, um, a cute little Italian restaurant. That's where I, how they say, cut my teeth, I guess in that um, restaurant, it's called Nino's Italian, and it was in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And it was it was such a refreshing and wonderful experience. And that basically led me to where I am now. It was the beginning. That is really a wonderful story. It's, you know, it, it's what we were talking about earlier, just knowing that there's so much love and so much happiness to be to be offered, and then you experience it and it just sets you off on a on a path, not only a career path, but also, uh, uh, identity path. Let's talk a little bit about that, Jay. So identities, you know, I, I am a pretty proud person. I'm very vocal. I consider myself to be an activist. Um, I am queer, um, lesbian, you know, and, you know, like you were saying, it, it's a, being a chef, it is part of our identity because we, I mean, cooking food, like you're quoting Anthony Bourdain, but you know, food is extremely emotional and, you know, we put our, our basically our heart on, sl- on our sleeve or, you know, on, on the plate to just, you know, provide a meal to some people that's just a meal or a sustenance. But to us, it's so much more. It's who we are. It's our personality. It's our ethnicity. So with that and me being true to whom I am and being authentic, being a queer Asian woman, you know, it's, it's important for, for people to know who I am aside from just enjoying my food, because first and foremost, I am an Asian queer woman. And second, I consider myself a chef. Well, as we were saying too, being able to sit down at a table, having a meal, sharing that that delightful experience, really, it really helps to change perception and to be so much more accepting and have that diversity just kind of be there. So, well, listen, how can we get more information about who you are and, and where we can find out more about you and also about Chow Chow, because you just had your first big launch. Tell us about that. Yeah, it was, it was so magical. It happened this past Sunday on June 27th. And um, it was the opening of Chow Chow and it was Appalachian uh, Pride Brunch. And it was just to bring awareness to the queer community here in Asheville and it was, um, we had four queer chefs, including myself, to provide the meal. We collaborated. We had fun. And it was just a beautiful representation, I believe, of the Asheville queer community. Just a little glimpse of who we are. So hopefully, um, for those that attended, we'll be able to take something away from that and, and you know, really su- show support and, you know, step out of the comfort zone. Um, so that's pretty much, you know, that was the goal and I hope we achieved it. 
And how can we get more information about Chow Chow and about about you and and your culinary career? So you can all follow me on Instagram. That is Instagram at jchong, J-C-H-O-N-G underscore eats, E-A-T-S. Or you can email me for some more information if you're interested in cooking classes or private dinners at jchongeats at gmail.com. Um, I currently don't have a website, but I post pretty um, almost daily or weekly on my Instagram page. You could definitely find out where I'll be, what I'm doing, what's happening and keep. And then, you know, I have a little cute little videos or tidbits about Cantonese food on there to help educate us. And for Chow Chow, they do have a website, right? Yes, they do. It's actually I believe it's chowchowavl.com, I believe. Because there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. So they've spread it out over three months. So I believe there's something happening at le- I think two two to three events per month. If I'm in, if I'm not, I think I'm correct on that. Um, so yeah, it goes all the way up till September. And I also have a virtual cooking class with Chow Chow in September. So if you're interested in that, um, go ahead and sign up. I will be uh, shopping at the local farmers markets and creating something of the Cantonese cuisine. Oh, that sounds wonderful. And I am definitely going to connect with you on these private dinners. I love that idea. So yes, we'll definitely stay in touch. I, I really appreciate you being here today on Speaking of Travel and look forward to, to getting to know you better and, and your flavors. Appreciate it. Well, thanks, Jay. And like I mentioned earlier, more and more people are beginning to get out more these days. And that's a really nice thing. But it's been a while and we all could use a refresher course in how to cultivate a positive mindset and fill our life with meaning. I would venture to say there's probably no better skill to practice than learning how to enjoy life to the fullest. So if you want to really begin to enjoy life again, begin with practicing gratitude. You can simply begin each day by thinking of three things you're thankful for, such as Today, I am grateful for this big, comfortable bed, the cool breeze blowing through the window, and my sweet puppy playing with her toy. And be mindful always of your surroundings. Go for a walk every day and notice all the sights and sounds of nature. Turn off your screens for a while and just close your eyes. Take a few deep breaths and welcome in the feelings of peace and relaxation. And most importantly, Pay attention to you. Give yourself permission to be happy and enjoy life to the fullest. Because remember, life is short. Don't postpone joy. 